Hey there, I wanted to take a brief moment and welcome you to the Focus Point Podcast. If this is one of the first episodes that you're hearing from us, please head over to our website, thepointoffocus.com, where you can find out some more information about who we are, what we're doing. You can also find other podcast episodes and blog posts there as well. That's thepointoffocus.com. I'm so glad that you decided to give one of our episodes a listen. I really hope that you will be blessed and encouraged through what you hear in this episode. I also encourage you to share this episode with your family and your friends. Once again, I just thank you for taking some time and listening to our episode. Now, let's dive in to today's episode. Over the last couple episodes, we've been in a series called In the End. And in that uh, time, we've looked at heaven and hell, which the Bible describes as both very real places. And we talked about um, the way I picture it is hell being the opposite of what heaven is described. So when we see in Revelation 21 and 22 how John describes heaven, we wind up singing what hell must be like. Um, the Bible is a little bit different with what um, what hell is like. He, it's kind of just more um, descriptive. It doesn't say how it works or how it functions, right? So, um, but heaven is clearly described and in, in detail in some cases by John. So we see that um, unfold there. So we can kind of picture, well, if this is the way heaven is, this is the way hell must be. And so we also looked at the question, are we in the end? And we spent the first episode of the series answering that. And we looked at Jesus' words in Matthew 24. And we kind of came to the conclusion just a little bit that the answer to that is both yes and no. It's yes, we're in the end times from the standpoint of we're waiting for Jesus to come back, which is what we're talking about today. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. So yeah, we're in the end times, but are we actually like in the end time events, such as like the tribulation, which we're talking about in the next episode, all of that? No. So we kind of came to um, those conclusions there. And you can find those episodes over at thepointoffocus.com in our archive there. So you can kind of catch up with those if you would like. So I also want to say here, as we've been kind of beginning every episode this way, just to kind of keep it as a reminder, uh, this episode, these episodes in this series are not, uh, we're not going to be people bashing, uh, pastor bashing, leader bashing, church bashing, whatever the case is. We're not going to be doing any of that. We're not going to say pastor so-and-so is an idiot because he said this or anything like that. This is not discrediting what people will think or believe or anything like that. We are just taking a look at what the Bible says and we're just taking what, that's basically what we're doing. We're just taking what the Bible says. In the first episode, I mentioned we looked at Matthew 24, where we're just taking Matthew 24 for what it says, and we're not trying to get off out in the weeds and all of these kind of different kind of theories or possibilities. We're just kind of taking the Bible for what it says. And that's what we're doing. We're kind of, in that way, keeping it simple, because I believe that there's good things in simplicity, right? We talk about it often. A couple years ago, we did a series called Uncomplicated, kind of decluttering your life and kind of doing different things to kind of make things more simple, more, less complicated, right? Uncomplicated. And we find that is very good 
Uh, so it comes with things like this, just, just keeping things simple. So that's what we're doing in this series. And because of that, this series is not a deep dive into eschatology. This is not a deep dive into Revelation or any other end times prophecies or anything like that. We're not going to spend five or six episodes just talking about the Revelation event, the, the rapture event, sorry, and all the subsequent ideas or thoughts. We're just looking at it one time, one one episode each each topic, and we're seeing what the Bible says about that and what we can conclude. And so um, today we're doing that. And so, and so so that's what we're doing. And we're just hopefully um, what we hope this series will be, um, I know like I, I do, is I just hope that it will provide answers in, in a different way than all of like the, the complicated answers. But I am no means also saying that studying the Bible on a deeper level is wrong. Read Revelation, crack open a commentary with it, watch some videos on it, read some books about it. That's all fine, but we're just not, we're reserving that time for either later on or in our, in our own individual times. Uh, we're just trying to kind of, like I've said, keep it simple for the episodes in this series. So, but I'm excited. I'm excited to continue. Um, I'm always going to encourage dive dive into the Bible, dive dive deeper into different passages, understand some different things. Um, it's really helpful. Uh, as I said today, we are talking about the Rapture. So if you have a copy of the Bible and you would like to get it on open, whether that Bible's paper or it's electronic, uh, we're going to be in a couple different places. Uh, but first, we're going to be in First Thessalonians chapter four. And so we're going to dive into that. First um, Thessalonians is a New Testament book. Uh, in chapter 4, we're going to be in verse 13 to start. So one of the things here is that uh, there's two events that are being talked about. Okay, When, it, when we talk about Jesus' return, a lot of people um, indicate that that's the rapture. And some people say that, that well, that's the second coming. So we're going to talk about both of these events in a little bit of detail in this episode. Because yes, the rapture is Jesus coming back, but it's not Jesus coming back like he does in the second coming. So they're two different events, but they're very, very similar. Um, they both involve Jesus and his return. But the one that we're waiting on first is the rapture. And so the first thing that we see about the rapture is the rapture is when believers in Jesus, both dead and alive, meet him in the clouds. So that's that's the big difference here, is that we're, we're meeting Jesus in the clouds, which means Jesus doesn't come all the way to earth um, as he would in the second coming. That's the big distinctive difference. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, it says here, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like the people who have no hope. So here we're, we're talking about, he's talking about this hope, right? And what, um, uh, last summer, or a couple summers ago, I talked a little bit about that, and how, like, the, the, the people that have passed on, we will see again one day, and that they're in no more pain, and all of that. So, so death should be, especially if somebody's experiencing a lot of pain, I, I know it's it leaves a void in our in our in our soul for them and in our life for them, right? If we lose a grandparent or a mom or a dad or some other kind of loved one, it leaves it leaves a void. But if they're a believer in Jesus, we should rejoice for them because now they're in a place where their bodies don't hurt anymore. They're in a place where um, 
where, where they're with Jesus. Who wouldn't want that for somebody? And it says, so, um, verse 14, it says, For since we believe that Jesus died and raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell, Verse 15, we tell you this directly from the Lord. Who, uh, we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with a voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. First, believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who still remain alive on the earth will be caught up in the clouds and to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage one another with these words. Chapter 5, uh, verse 1 here, it says, Now concerning how, um, how and when all of this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we do not write you. So basically what, what Paul is saying here is, once again, he's kind of echoing what Jesus said. We don't know. So he's not trying to write that. Um, that is what the theme of this whole series is that we're doing here called In the End is we don't have the answers to certain things. So it's not appropriate, and it's not kind of worth our time to figure out times. Because Paul even says it here. When all of this will happen, we don't know. For you, uh, verse 2, it says, For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's coming will become, the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. Right there. He's echoing what we read in Matthew 24 in the very first episode of the series. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. He's referencing the tribulation event as well. And so we'll talk about that next week, but that's what he's saying, that there will be no escape. Once Jesus returns, it's either you're on the flight or you're not. Like, it's once a plane, like, it's just kind of using that kind of example. When a plane takes off, if you're not on it, they don't say, oh, sorry, and turn around and come back to get you, right? This is what it is. This is like, if you're not on the flight, it's going to, there's going to be no escape right there. Verse 4, it says, uh, but you are in the dark about these things, your brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light, and one, um... And of the day, you won't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and clear-headed. Night is night is the oh, sorry, <laughs> night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us live in the light, so we can be. So let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing our helmet. Of the confidence of our salvation. For those, verse 9 is the last verse we're going to read. For those, I'm sorry, for God chose to save us through the Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour his anger out on us. Okay, so we're going to stop there. That once again is referencing this whole this whole thing. Okay, so that was a good uh, little bit of text there. And it says a lot. Once again, though, it's echoing this idea that we don't really know. It's coming like a thief, but it's pretty much you're on the flight or you're not. And we talked a little bit about that last week with, with heaven and hell. Either we're, we're on the 
we're on the, the, the narrow path or we're on the wide path. And it, it's just, it's clear that this is a, uh, event that takes place unexpectedly and nobody will know what happens. Um, let's jump over to first Corinthians chapter 15. Okay. Starting in verse 50, because we're going to see the second point that happens in this event where, um, during this event, we get our new heavenly bodies. And it says here, first Corinthians, uh, 15, 50 says, what am I saying to your brothers and sisters is that our physically bought, um, is that our physically, sorry, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These are dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. It will be it will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the last trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever, and those who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then our dying bodies, um, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your, sorry, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For the sin, sorry, for sin is the sting that death, that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he has given us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do um, for the Lord is ever useless. So once again, that's indicating to me, once again, we talked about this at the beginning part. It's, it's like it's not our job to figure out all of this. Paul made it clear in Thessalonians, and he's making kind of making it clear here where it's, for now, always be strong and immovable. Stay, stay in what we know. And I'm thinking about it right now as I'm, as I'm talking. It's kind of hard to be clear in what we know and be strong and immovable with what we know if we've got so many different things going on. If we, if we know so many different things or the possibilities of this way or that way or this up, down, left, right. We don't have that thing. We can easily be movable, Right? We can easily sway. It's kind of like, oh, well, maybe that does make sense. Um, and it, it, it complicates things. But it says here in verse 58, it says, Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's how we're supposed to prepare for this event. We don't know when it's going to take place. So our best thing is just to keep working enthusiastically for the Lord. The rapture event is instantaneous. As we see in uh, 1552, we read it. It says um, it will happen in a moment. Well, it The rapture will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For those, For when the last trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And those who are living will also be transformed. In the blink of an eye, it's going to happen. And so, it's not going to be really noticeable to some people. It's just going to be like, 
you're one day here and I mean, you're one second here and the next second you're gone. And that's what the, the rapture event is. But the clear contra- the clear contrast between and we're going to look at the second coming now. Um, but the, the rapture is not the second coming. Because um, the second coming is when Jesus comes all the way down. And we see this in Revelation um, 19. And we're going to go forward here. Now, this is after um, the events of the tribulation, but we see it. Then I saw Revelation 19.11. Then I saw heaven opened up, and on a, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for the judge, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And on, I'm sorry, a name was written on him that no one stood except for himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and a title, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in their finest. Um, sorry, dressed in the finest pure white linen, followed him on the white horses. From his mouth came sharp, a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like a juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So Jesus now is coming back at the second coming. And so the second coming occurs after the Great Tribulation. So as I mentioned, we're talking about that next week. Um, after all the events of the Tribulation, it, this is Jesus coming back. Matthew uh, 24, 29, 30 indicates that this is going to be visible. So this occurs after the Tribulation, which is found in Revelation 6, 9, uh, 6 through 19. Um, number two, uh, the second coming will be visible to all, Matthew 24, uh, 29, and 30. The second coming, we come back with Jesus. As we just read, uh, we are the, in verse 14, we are the armies of heaven dressed in the finest pure white linen, followed him on white horses. That's us. That, that's believers in Jesus. And and that is, that's that. And then the final thing, um, the second coming is when Jesus returns to defeat the Antichrist, destroy evil, and establish his kingdom. That's the second coming. Now, this next thing is going to probably be the most controversial thing I've ever said on this uh, podcast. But I say it with no reserve and no... um, I guess no recant. I'm not going to take it back. It's going to come out the way it's going to come out, and that's what it means. So the rapture is an event that happens before the tribulation begins. It happens before the tribulation begins. Uh, Jesus indicates in Matthew 24 that when judgment comes upon the earth in Noah's story, and we see that first Thessalonians, uh, let's go back to first Thessalonians five, nine, and it says for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour his anger out on us. Revelation three ten in a brief, uh, letter to the church in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, 
John writes Jesus saying, Because you have obeyed my command to preserve, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Jesus says that we don't belong to the world. Jesus says in um, John chapter 16 that the world will even hate us because we are not of this world. So when we follow Jesus, yes, that text is written to a church in Philadelphia as a message. But once again, these words in the Bible are, are meant for us to hear. They're, they're written down for us to hear. And so that's how I can say that the rapture happens before the tribulation. And when you use um, Noah's story as an example, when, when God came to Noah in Genesis 6 and he told him, hey, look, the earth has become wicked. Um, Genesis 6 tells us that the earth had become wicked. And God goes to Noah to, um, to tell him to build a boat. And one verse stands out at me, and I'm going to it now because we're going to read this. So um, he, he tells Noah to build a boat. Um, to build a boat. Okay. Um, after he says this. Genesis 6, 8, it says, But Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah found favor with the Lord. It's always kind of tripped me up. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that Noah was kind of like God's right-hand man? You know, the epitome of perfection, and all of that. No, absolutely not. He just found favor with the Lord. Some would say it's the same kind of thing used when he talks about Mary, you who are highly favored. Right? This word favor. And I believe that when we come into relationship with Jesus, when we believe that he, he died on the cross, and, oh, sorry, that we, when we believe that God sent him to be the savior for our sins and that he died on the cross for those sins and that he rose again to abolish the payment for those sins. And we believe that with all our hearts, we become a child of God and we become in favor with the Lord. And so when we go on to verse 14, it tells, you know, hey, God comes and he tells Noah, hey, you know, this is what's going on in the world. I want you to build a boat. I want you to build a boat and then I want you to get in the boat because I'm going to flood the earth. And when I sit here and I think about this story and it's used, this story is used in Matthew, um, Matthew 24 as well. Uh, when God, ref sorry, when Jesus is referencing this time of, time of, uh, trial and this the end time events right he's talking he uses the time of noah when noah didn't know when the flood was going to happen right the bible doesn't tell us that god gave him a date he just said build a boat i'm going to flood the earth and then we see in genesis 6:22 that noah did everything that god commanded him to do i keep referencing matthew 24 with this and it kind of echoes back to uh, First Thessalonians, where it says one time everything's going to be going good, and then the next thing it's not. Uh, Matthew twenty nine, uh, sorry twenty four thirty seven says, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat, but they didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. 
and that's what it will be when the time of Noah comes. I said earlier, it's the, you, you missed the flight. It's not, there was no escape, right? All of this just kind of ties together. The people that didn't get on the boat with Noah, they were swept away. There was no escape from the judgment that was coming on the earth. And Noah, um, Noah was saved from the flood. We'll talk about that in just a second. But then in the future, right? There's, there's no escape. It's when, when Jesus comes and he's going to call his people, that's going to happen. But Noah didn't know when the flood was going to be. And so, but what I, what I, what I bring this up for is, is this whole thing about Noah, um, Jesus references because he's referencing a judgment that was coming on the earth. He's going to, God's going to wipe the earth out with a flood and pretty much kind of start over. Right. But that's the way that this is going to happen. You see God's favored people were taken away from the flood. They weren't removed from the earth. And there's a reason why they're removed from the earth. Um, and why we're, why we're removed from the earth in the future is because we have our own judgment to go to. We have the judgment seat of Christ in the future during the tribulation period. We have a judgment seat and um, the judgment seat of Christ. So that kind of plays into, okay, so why would the why would we be taken away any other time? Why would we experience the judgment that's coming on the earth, right? It, it's clear in Revelation 3.10 and 1 Thessalonians 5.9 that we won't be here when God pours out his judgment. And same thing with Noah. Yeah, Noah wasn't taken from the earth, but Noah didn't really have any other place, to, like any other event to go to, right? He was just there in the flood. And he survived the flood, waited for the waters to go down. Whereas the future, we have a judgment to go to. We have the judgment seat of Christ, where Jesus is going to to judge us by what we've done, by how we've acted, what we've said, all of these things. He's going to ask about us, not um, everyone else. He's going to ask me about me, and he's going to ask you about you, and he's going to ask your friends about them. It's not going to be a Q&A session between your friends, right? They're not going to ask, God's not going to ask, Jesus isn't going to ask you a question about what, what, what one of your best friends did in 1997. He's going to ask about me. He's going to look at me and he's going to go, hey, Alex, this is what you did. This is what happened. This is this. This is that. That's what he's going to do. And so, um, that is how I, I can say with confidence that we're not experiencing the judge because the tribulation that we're going to talk about next week is the events of judgment on the earth. And it gets increasingly worse as time goes on. And there's lots of different theories about it and all of that. And we will uh, bring up those different theories. Uh, so, but we're going to talk about that next week. But I just wanted to to share this comparison, when we think about this, this judgment that's coming, okay? You've got two polarizing things that happened, right? The flood, and then you've got the tribulation. Both of which God's favored people were not on the earth. Noah was highly favored through God, and because of what Jesus did, we're favored in God's eyes through the blood of Jesus, and we're children of God. And so therefore, I put us in the category of favored people, which means when God pours out his judgment on the earth during the tribulation, we won't be there. 
and primarily partially because of the fact that we have our own judgment to go to and we can't like I don't think God would put us through two judgments <laughs> like he's going to be judged as followers of Jesus because once again we're not of this world okay that that's clear too we're not of this world Jesus is talking to his disciples you're not of this world so the people are going to hate you but you're not of this world which means why would we be judged with the world so uh, just a brief repeat um the rapture and the second coming are not the same thing. Um, the rapture and this, the rapture and the second coming are similar events, but different. So the rapture, we meet Jesus up in heaven where we're taken forward to the judgment seat of Christ. We're given our new bodies. And then the, um, and that event instantaneous, kind of like a blink of an eye, your person that you're sitting next to is going to disappear kind of situation, right? Like they like they play in movies and TV shows or whatever when they try to depict this event. It's literally like that. And then um, the second coming is when we all come back down and, and in lack of a better way to say it, Jesus drops the hammer. Okay, it's like, okay, we're done. And he defeats the Antichrist and he does all of that stuff and he establishes his millennial kingdom where we'll reign on earth for a thousand years. That is what this event is that is what the rapture is that is what the second coming is but also the rapture happens before the tribulation begins that i say with all out confidence and once again that's not bashing anybody that believes anything different it's just the way i see by taking a simple look at scripture and what scripture says and what i believe god says to me through those words that is how i picture this event happening because any other way it doesn't really doesn't really make sense so i hope you'll uh come back next week i hope you'll take what i've said and i hope it's encouraged you a little bit i hope it's cleared up some things for you but uh, next week we'll dive into the tribulation event now that is always exciting to talk about um but one of the things I said about this series, it's kind of weird talking about this kind of stuff when I just announced that the word of the year is joy. But this is one of the things, like this rapture event, it's a joyous event. We're going to go meet Jesus. We're going to go see our Savior face to face, finally, right? That's a joyous event. And the event that happens in the tribulation, well, how is that joyful? Well, because we know about what's going to be happening down here. But we also know because we're in Jesus and we're going to be with Jesus, we don't have to experience this event. So um, I want to just kind of leave it there. And I hope that uh, you'll come back next week as we continue on this series and we talk about the tribulation. So come back next week. I'll see you then.